Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. The national championship for Notre Dame. Plus, fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, that's me, and he is Eric Hansen. By golly, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. He covers Notre Dame athletics as a big part of the Rivals Network. Heck, while you're listening to the program, not while you're driving, but if you're home, sitting in a traffic jam, check out InsideIndieSports.com. Well, Eric will be with me for the first hour of the program, then I'm with you the final 30 minutes, and only 30 minutes because Fighting Irish Basketball right here on 960 AM WSBT. It's the Irish taking on those Yellow Jackets from Georgia Tech. Pre-game coverage, 6.30, tip time, 7 o'clock. Hope you'll stick around for that. Well, while Eric is with us, we've got some Notre Dame football topics to get through, including some recent headlines. I want to get his take on the Irish losing Chris O'Leary to the National Football League. The Irish pick up another NFL legacy for the class of 2025. We also will dig into the Notre Dame eight-man contingent going to the NFL Combine down in Indianapolis in about two weeks. So who has a chance to really improve their stock? Who needs this more than maybe the other seven? We'll get into some of those storylines in just a little bit. We have Twitter question of the day results from yesterday. It was a landslide. It was like Reagan Mondale from, what, 1984? I'm a kid. I love that as a kid for some reason. I love the political elections. I still do. But I think it was 84. Yeah, because 80 was Reagan over Carter. The biggest, um, I think, route in my lifetime was Johnson Goldwater. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
And again, as being a young, young kid, I remember that children whose parents were voting for Johnson, their taunt of Goldwater was Barry Goldwater has ants in his pants. Seriously? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But that was, I was just actually looking at that because I wondered how, you know, what does a landslide look like? Because you've always got people that are tribal that are going to vote for their party no matter what. Even if it's a house plant, they'll vote for it. Yeah. But um, just how wide the disparity was and how few states and electoral votes that Barry Goldwater got. It was just a little tiny band of southern states and Arizona. That saying you presented to us? Mm-hmm. Reminds me of the 1987 NCAA men's basketball tournament. Okay. Dick Vitale said he would stand on his head if little old Austin P beat Illinois, which was like a 3-14 matchup. Uh-huh. And Austin P upset Illinois in the first round, and Vitale came back to the assembly hall the next year and stood on his head. But Austin P's best player, his last name was Williams. Oh, Fly Williams, right? His nickname was Fly. And what was the chant of the Austin P crowd throughout every game that he played? The fly is open. Let's go P as an Austin P. <laughs> the greatest chant I've ever heard at a sporting <laughs> event. My team's getting their butt kicked by the governors, but yet I'm just fascinated by the, the fly is open. Let's go P. Hey, it's Austin P, right? There you go. All right, we also have on the program tonight a preview of Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. I'm impressed you remembered that. I am impressed I remember it, but I used to cover college basketball pretty pretty avidly back years and years and years ago. I'm more of a casual, although I'm covering women's basketball this year yeah. and really enjoying it. Well, 1987 was a big year in the state of Indiana in the NCAA tournament. I was, yeah, I was big time into covering basketball up until the late 90s i i at least i mean i covered a lot of games were you at the key smart shot to win the championship i was not at that game because i had just switched jobs okay i but i covered the earlier rounds but my sports editor called me during the i was at the Times in Northwest Indiana, my sports editor called me and said he was leaving the paper and that the assistant sports editor would be taking over. And he pulled rank on me and went to the <laughs> final four instead of me, the new sports editor. The old one wouldn't have done that. So I missed, I watched it on TV. That's a bummer. But, but I've been to final fours before, several final fours, including the 92 final four in Minneapolis With when the, it was Duke and the officials. Duke, Indiana, <laughs> UC, and then the Fab Five freshmen right. were freshmen at that. That was a fun Final Four, but that was a long road to get there. Indiana went out to Boise first and then mm. to Albuquerque, and I was those. And, of course, Albuquerque, that's with the whip hole, the whip <laughs> gate. And, yeah, it was fat. 92, you could write a book about that season that would be fascinating. Oh, no question about that. All right, let's get to some topics. Real quick, a little Notre Dame news. Julian Aquora, who was dropped by the Lions during the postseason, has signed with the Philadelphia Eagles today. So Julian sticks in the National Football League. We found out today 
the worst kept secret in sports that Notre Dame was going to take on Army at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. We now have an official date, November 23rd. It is a Shamrock Series game. So the Irish are going to play three neutral site games next year in Atlanta against Georgia Tech, against Navy and East Rutherford, and against Army in Yankee Stadium. Now, I also want to ask you about this. I don't know if you've dug into this yet or not, Eric, but the ACC today approved in-game helmet communication and sideline video usage. Now, the NCAA has not officially approved this as of yet. With Notre Dame being tied into the ACC, does that mean they would fall into the category of having use of the in-game helmet communication? At least when they play the ACC opponents. I haven't had a chance to okay. dig into it yet because I was on my live chat today. But I, you know, what I've been hearing and reading is that everybody in the country is moving in that direction. As that they should. We, we shouldn't be surprised if there is that kind of communication going on in college sports by next fall for everybody in the FBS level. So we can get rid of the curtains and the big signs? Oh, yeah. With Elmo and whatever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to just regular people standing on the sidelines and we can see them. Yeah, you will have to have a backup plan in case those fail. And in talking with Al Golden, who dealt with those for several years as an NFL coach, they do fail every once in a while, but usually get fixed very quickly. And you usually they have backups. I mean, but you do have to have signals ready just in case. You better watch out for those Purdue Boilermakers. They got astronauts going to the moon and stuff. They're going to be able to probably steal some technology. So beware. They're on the yeah. schedule next year. Okay. Now let's get to a couple other subjects that occurred earlier in the week. Eric, I want to get your thoughts on Chris O'Leary, the Irish safety coach, leaving the Notre Dame coaching staff and going to the NFL. He's going to work for Jim Harbaugh with the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, it sounds like O'Leary had a chance to go to the NFL last year, decided yeah. to stay with the Fighting Irish program that he joined back in 2018. Couple of questions. First off, why do you think this time around O'Leary decided to jump to the National Football League and leave the Irish? Yeah, I'm not sure that he got the job the last time and decided to stay. I think he didn't get the job. Oh, okay. Um, but it's something that he's wanted to do. From what I understand, Notre Dame countered and offered him more money than what the NFL opportunity would have been. He turned that down. He's really had an aspiration to get to the NFL and to get there at this stage of his career. He didn't want to wait till later in his career. And he's got some associations on that team. Um, he is very uh, good friends and has worked with and under Jesse Minter when Jesse was the defensive coordinator at Georgia State a couple of, well, three stops ago in his coaching <laughs> career. He's also worked for Jesse's dad, Rick Mentor. Rick was the defensive coordinator at Florida Tech right after the Georgia State stint for Chris. And so those two worked together. Mike Elston and Chris O'Leary overlapped during Mike Elston's later time at Notre Dame. Mike left after the 2021 season, but Chris was here as an analyst and a grad assistant for several years before he became the safeties coach. 
So there's a lot of ties and a lot of things that made this a really good fit for, for Chris. When you think about O'Leary as a developer of talent and as a recruiter, what do the Irish lose with O'Leary leaving? You know, as a developer of talent, it's a big loss, and so there's big shoes to fill there. As a recruiter, there was some hit and miss there. Um, you know, he didn't recruit Kyle Hamilton. He inherited him. And then you think about some of the five-star and high four-star safeties they swung and missed on. Now, he was starting to get traction now. You know, developing Xavier Watts. Kyle Hamilton doing so well in the NFL, that got recruits' attention, and that's why you see like Ivan Taylor and Ethan Long in this 2025 class. This would have been, you know, the highest recruits, highest rated recruits that he had gotten. So, but you looked at the safety, he's been great at converting players. I mean, Ramon Henderson came as a cornerback, DJ Brown came as a cornerback, Xavier Watts came as a wide receiver. So they'd have lots of guys, you know, even Antonio Carter, who was one and done here, was a college cornerback that they tried to convert to a safety. So um, not as much in the um, recruiting world, but Chris was a guy, when you sat and talked to him, he could explain things so well. He was also, wasn't like he didn't recognize the talent. Um and he, I went back and looked at old interviews. He wanted Xavier Watts on defense from the moment he stepped <laughs> on campus. That wasn't after he became an All-American. That's when he got moved to linebacker. He's like, we've been trying to get him over to this side of the ball uh, because we think he's got a really bright future, and he was absolutely on point. So great positional coach, was coming to into his own as a recruiter. So with O'Leary leaving the staff, what does it mean for cornerback coach Mike Mickens? Does he have more on his plate now? Do you feel like he might just inherit that job as well? From what I've been told, he will. He will take on both. And so can he do both? I, I mean, there was a time where it was more common in college football for there to be a defensive backs coach than maybe splitting up the linebackers or splitting up the defensive linemen than there was splitting up the DBs. But college football's changed. You play a lot more five and six defensive backs. I think you need two coaches back there. So what will Notre Dame do? We believe that they will promote Max Bulla, who's a graduate assistant linebackers coach, to a full-time position. If they didn't, there's a chance they could have lost him because a lot of people were interested in Max as a full-time assistant coach, if not this year, next year. Mm-hmm. Al Golden can do some roving. Uh, defensive backfield isn't his specialty, although he has a knowledge of every position being a coordinator. But they do need to hire a graduate assistant who is on par with what Max Bola was as a linebacker's coach. Somebody that's not your run-of-the-mill, well, I'm learning the ropes kind of safeties coach. They need somebody that cannot just babysit during drills, but can do some actual teaching and coaching. So look for a high-level grad assistant to join the staff. All right, there's more at InsideIndieSports.com on those topics. If you'd like to read more on the Chris O'Leary departure and what may happen to fill his shoes. Now, the Irish got some good recruiting news earlier in the week 
as Elijah Burris, the son of Super Bowl champion Plaxico Burris, a 2025 three-star wide receiver, Eric Heepick, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And Burris is one of those guys that he's in that three-star category right now, but it might be a little deceiving because from what I understand and reading some of your guys' work, that if his recruitment lasted a little longer, his list of pursuers probably was going to quadruple. Right. right. And it may get bigger as he continues to develop and people want to pull him away because they think, well, he didn't have much choice, Notre Dame and you know the schools he had. Maybe we can tempt him. Um, Notre Dame must think an awfully lot about him because he's the first wide receiver commit in this class. And they do have several openings, but you figure one's going to eventually go to Jerome Bettis Jr. And then there's some really talented wide receivers. Uh, Talon Taylor is a top 30 kind of recruit nationally, could end up being a five-star receiver from the Chicago area. And they've got several other top 100 guys. There's a guy, um, I can't remember his name, Lexi. um, He's from Pennsylvania, Harrisburg. And he's only a three-star right now, but he's lightning fast on the track. And I think that's going to translate to his wide receiver. There's a kid down in Ironton, Terry, Sean Terry, who's a three-star, who I think because of where he is geographically, if you're familiar with Ohio, Ironton's down on the river, not a real high-populated area. I think he can end up being a really good receiver. So to take Burris ahead of some of the guys with a lot more pedigree and impressive film they believe that his best football is ahead of him this part of the recruiting cycle three stars four stars whatever there are just some occasions eric where there's not enough video not enough data hasn't been to the right camps right hasn't been seen by the right people so burris could end up being more stars under his name but right now i think if they don't have much data on you and they know a little about you they're going to throw you in that three-star pile and adjust right. as the process continues. So don't get all alarmed, folks, that the first wide receiver recruit in the class is a three-star. Yeah, Notre Dame has only three three-star recruits in their class right now, and I can't imagine – I mean, it's, it's I think, very possible none of those guys will end up being three-star prospects, and not for very much longer. <laughs> I think they will be elevated um, so – We'll see. But, yeah, they really like – I mean, they didn't have to be sold on Elijah Burris. They feel like that was a guy they were ready to not slow play. Some people might have said, oh, well, you know, just think about it for a while and then you filled up with other guys. Because recruiting is really an art. Yep. You, you know, you don't want people committing too early to you if there's others that you're more interested in. So you usually slow play guys you're not interested in. They didn't slow play him. He – he came and visited and committed pretty quickly. Let's face it, the 25 quarterback commit, Deuce Knight, he would make us a one-star wide receiver. He's that good. <laughs> so once he works with Plaxico, Plaxico's son, there we go, Elijah Burris, he'll become a four-star right away. We're getting a little short on time, so I'm going to skip our second topic and save it for next week. So I want to ask you this. Notre Dame women's basketball had a major victory on the road in Tallahassee Sunday, a double overtime victory over Florida State, which keeps them in the ACC race. And the same storyline we'll talk about tomorrow. They need to win tomorrow to stay in the race. Just what was the difference 
in that game for the Irish. What got them to the finish line in that wild game against Florida State Sunday? You know, it's it sounds ludicrous to say this when you have a 98-94 game, but Notre Dame had some key defensive possessions in the fourth quarter, in the in, in each overtime. Uh, they got down. They were down in every one of those periods and had some very key defensive stops. And then they got a lot of mileage out of Anna DeWolf. She had her best game in a Notre Dame uniform, 24 points, six three-pointers. Sonia Citrone went down hard in the first overtime with a big spill and scrum on the floor, missed the rest of the first overtime, and came back and was nails in the second overtime. And, of course, there's always big doses of Hannah Hidalgo. <laughs> she got to the line 14 times. Uh, so it was... And, and they were happy to play Florida State's pace, but Florida State is a difficult team to defend. If they emphasized defense more um, and, and were a little bit, I don't know, smarter basketball team in terms of m- moving the pace up and down, I think that they would have a much better record. They're really talented. All right, and the Irish will take on number 6-ranked NC State tomorrow night. At 6 o'clock, a game that you can hear on Live 99.9, and Eric will be covering that game for his website, InsideIndieSports.com. I still always want to say paper. There's no physical paper, but you're writing on a web page. So it's a web story. Yeah, it's we're your sports section now. Think of us as your sports section. Isn't that the truth? It's crazy. Just everything right on your phone, everything you need or your computer. All right, we will take a timeout. When we come back, Eight Notre Dame players are going to the NFL Combine. We're hearing Michigan has 18, which is a record. Unbelievable. So we'll get into the Irish players who are going and who really needs an outstanding performance, who may not do anything. That conversation coming up next, 528. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Eric Hansen from InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. We're live on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Continues now. What's the score? Nothing, nothing. Who's winning? The Bears. Co-hosting this hour is the publisher of InsideNDSports.com, Eric Hansen. He was bad in Chester Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that? You, the new boy. Mike, 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 look like a bulldog. He bad in him, too. Here's your host, Darren Preachett. I don't know who that is. We have very important people and very unimportant people on the show. Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett, in that order, by the way. 5.33 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Beat tonight brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. First State Bank, committed to being a premier financial partner. First State Bank demonstrates and delivers hometown values. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. 
by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience and the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Well, Eric, eight Notre Dame players will participate in the NFL Combine down at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis February the 26th through March the 4th, so we're about 12 days away from the Combine getting underway. The Irish who have been invited, quarterback Sam Hartman, running back Audric Estime, offensive tackles Joe Alt and Blake Fisher, defensive end Javante Jean-Baptiste, linebackers J.D. Bertrand and Maris Leofau, and cornerback Cam Hart. And I would imagine in the coming years, the list may grow past eight, considering some of the talent the Irish have. But let's talk about this year. And expiring eligibility, too. There's yes. This is going to be a big expiring eligibility class, much bigger than there was only seven players with expiring eligibility this year. So the number has a good chance of growing. Yes. Okay. Let's start with this. Of those eight players I mentioned, who do you feel like has the most to prove? I think Sam Hartman has the most to prove. Given um, his aspirations, given how he performed in the Senior Bowl, um, I think he has the most to prove. I struggle with this because, Eric, I almost feel like Hartman's value is so low right now, I'm not sure hitting a grand slam and this is going to drastically change what the NFL thinks about him. To me, a guy like Blake Fisher might have a, a good opportunity to make a jump in this particular draft process. Is he going to be a guy that's going to well, be able to play right tackle, or is he going to have to move inside? Go ahead. I think there's a difference between who can help themselves the most and who has the most to prove. To me, it's a different question. Who has the most to prove? There are players, I think, that can help, and I think Blake Fisher is one of them. If you ask it that way, I have a different answer. I, and, and who I think will, I have a different answer. I, I guess I answered it that way because I just yeah. think Sam has put himself – in a spot where he has so far to jump up, I'm not sure he can do it in just a couple of sessions. I think it's going to have to be meeting with teams. It's going to have to be pro day. I just think a lot has to happen because the second half of the year, Eric, just was not great. The senior bowl experience was pretty rough. He didn't help himself. Yeah. So I just think his value is so low right now. I'm not sure he can do enough to really make a significant difference. To me, well, he's a free agent at best at this point. Well, I mean, when you look at the raw numbers, again, he had one of the best passing pass efficiency ratings in Notre Dame history. He did. He was a top 15 pass efficiency guy, but he didn't deliver but. the story. <laughs> well, he didn't deliver the story, but yeah. he did change systems. Now, is his shortcomings more because of Sam Hartman, more because of the wide receiver court, more because Jared, Jared Parker? Parker. Mm -hmm. And so I think the combine gives him a place to neutralize some of that where he's kind of on a level playing field. Now, again, I think there's only so high he can climb, but I think it answers some doubts and questions in terms of just pure mechanics, understanding more the systems that he'll play 
in in the NFL, which again, he played in a more of a pro style system than he did at Wake Forest. So I wouldn't write him off completely. Again, he didn't deliver the story and, uh, you know, and, and he felt like at the end of the year, kind of more of a mercenary. I think him not playing in the bowl game rubbed some people the wrong way. Agreed. Especially after he hinted that he was going to. Well, I went with Fisher. I gave you my Hartman reasons. But, I agree. But Fisher I has Fisher... something to prove. He can play tackle in the NFL, which I'm waiting to see if that is where he's going to be. Might move inside to guard. That's to be debated. And right. he can prove that or start to prove that or continue to prove that during the combine process. And he can also show his raw athletic skills um, and – maybe move himself up some yep. where people say, hey, look, he just he's a young guy. He missed almost his entire freshman year. He played the first and the last game of that. So he's really basically played two years of football. I'm going to alter the way I originally was going to ask this question in our pre-show notes. I wrote down who has nothing to prove. You always have something to prove. So let me ask it this way. Which of the eight could you argue the NFL Combine is least important to them? Is it Joe Alt because he's a top 10 and probably won't do much? I, I think so, and I don't think that he um, – but he can always improve because there is not a unanimity about how those tackles fall. There's a lot of them projected in Just those first-round yeah. mocks. And so which one's one, which one's four, he can certainly move himself up and down within that group, but I mean, he's going to be a first round draft pick, even if he stands on his head and runs the 40 that way, which I don't think is possible, but um, you know what I'm saying? Sure. So, I mean, maybe to a certain extent, Otter Gestime, I think people are curious about his speed, you know, what, what his speed is, but I don't know that there was a whole lot of question about what he can and can't do at the next level. And even if you get a 4-4-5 reading versus a 4-5-5 reading, does that really change how you think about Audric Estime and what he would do for your team? Probably not. Mm, no. You've sparked two questions. Let me okay. finish the Estime conversation. Matt Miller, who covers the NFL Draft for ESPN, mm-hmm. he had a tweet yesterday or the day before, in his opinion – that in the first 50 picks of the NFL draft, he says there's a really good chance a running back will not be taken. And he said, I don't see one in the first round. He had the running back from Texas as his number one running back, I think Powers. He had Audrick Estime number two. Mm -hmm. But he thinks just with the way the running back group is, it is a really deep group. I don't think there's a lot of difference between one and six unless you're just looking for a a body type or trait in particular. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of value mid to late second round into the third round in this running back group. So I think it's become a thing on Twitter. Anytime a Notre Dame player gets drafted somewhere and he turns out to be great in the NFL, oh, they're disrespecting Notre Dame again. I think that storyline's a little wild and exaggerated. But this could be another case that he could go in the third round and be a great player in the NFL. There are people in our business that will pander to that crowd. And the worst one is... I guess Notre Dame's not irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's been a long time since anybody suggested that they're irrelevant, but people are still mad about it. Kyle Hamilton went 13th in the draft, and people act like he went in the fifth round. Yeah. I mean, he's a safety. He's a great safety. He's a kind of a unicorn safety in some aspects. But there's going to be quarterbacks and defensive ends and wide receivers that are going to be taken before a safety just because of the direction of the game. It's not being disrespectful to Kyle Hamilton or Notre Dame. He went 13th. His signing bonus was really, really good. He went to a hell of a football team. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. So now back to Joe Alt. I just can't imagine Eric as a guy that's going in the top 10, even with the competition, he's probably not going to do a whole lot other than the meetings and the weigh-ins. Maybe he'll run a 40, but I can't imagine he's going to do a lot of the other drills with the offensive lineman on the field. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I haven't talked to him or his agent, so I'm not sure. And and it's a new, it's kind of a new territory in that Alt and Fisher are the first true junior offensive linemen to ever come out. Um, Notre Dame's had guys give up years of eligibility before, but they've been giving up a fifth year, not giving up conceivably two years or, or coming out as true juniors. I mean, I think back to what Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey and Ronnie Stanley did, and they did most, if not all, the stuff. So I don't know that, and I don't know that there's anything like the 40 time. I don't know if if he was just snail slow that it would hurt him, but I don't (laughs) think he would be. Um, So I think he'll do most. Maybe he wouldn't do the bench press. I don't know. Um, but I think he would do the positional drills. I, I remember, so. hmm. yeah, because because Nelson and McGlinchey were doing it at Pro Day. Remember, because uh, I think there was a point where um, I was standing pretty close to the edge, and Nelson was coming my way, and I had to move with all my might. That might have been the one where I was standing next to Brian Kelly. I think he was aiming for him. <laughs> Well, Brian, and Quentin would not have stopped for anybody. I yeah, mean. Brian was funny. There was one pro day where he just started. It was it wasn't that one. He was he was talking about Golson, who had come back from Florida State, and he was talking about Eshack. And he's Eshack like, Williams. "Why did he not perform like that? You know, in most of his time here." <sighs> Good old BK. He was. Fun to be around when the microphones were not on. You got some he, good stuff he from was. him. Well, you remember when he used to do Sports Beat with us. Oh, yeah. And during the commercial, we would be talking a mile a minute, and then the microphones came on, and sometimes he still didn't have the filter back in yet. <laughs> and we broke too many stories in those interviews, and other media outlets complained, and that went away. So yeah. thanks for that. Eric Hansen, publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. Darren Pritchett with you. Notre Dame at the NFL Combine. Again, eight players invited. Hartman, Estime, Alt, Fisher, Baptiste, Bertrand, Leofal, and Hart. Eric, who might turn out to be a better pro than what he ended up being at Notre Dame? And that's not a negative to say any of these players were bad at Notre Dame, but oftentimes you see guys rise up when they get to the next level. Maybe they get under the right system, the right coach developing them, and they take major steps forward. If you had to guess, based on where they are now at the end of their Notre Dame career, who might take the biggest jump? I think there are four candidates and for four different reasons. Hmm. But I will say 
I'll tell you what, as you think, I went with Cam Hart. He's one of my four. Because of his size and his athleticism at the cornerback position. Yeah. So go ahead. I, I'm I think the safest guy to pick here is Blake Fisher because I think he has the um the all the physical traits to be and the drive to be great at the next level. Um the guy I went out on a limb for, and I, I don't know if I'm messing up the Twitter question, is JJB. Because JJB went from being a part-time player for five years at Ohio State hmm. to being a guy that went from being, okay, is he a timeshare guy at the beginning of last season to at the end of the year, you could argue he was one of Notre Dame's best five players. Could he continue that trajectory as a pro? He's got some of those qualities. I don't know him well enough to know what his motor is like long term, but he was impressive at the end of the season. I mean, it's too bad he didn't have a seventh year of eligibility left and wanted spending it over name. I throw Marist Leofow in there because Marist was a guy who looked like the year that he got hurt and had to miss that he was right at the verge of being a breakthrough player, and he never became that player at Notre Dame. He became more consistent, more impactful this year than he was last year. But, I mean, if he is a starter at the NFL, he'll be a better player than he ever was at Notre Dame. Um, and I don't know if that's in the cards for him. He's He's got to take a big jump. So I think then we narrow it back down to – I mean, Cam Hart, there's just not a lot of guys that have those abilities. And it's so funny that he got recruited in Notre Dame as a wide receiver. And I remember talking to his high school coach, and he's like, you should see him as a defensive back. And then mm. Notre Dame flipped him after that first season, that first spring, and I thought, I can't wait to see this guy. And you thought, well, maybe he's slow. Maybe that's why he's not a corner, because he's 6'3". Why wouldn't you want that as a Sound like Gene Katie. Why wouldn't you want to have six three guys a corner? <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, I because of all the shoulder injuries he played through when he was healthy, he was really good. So he may be outstanding if he can, you know, keep it together. The medicals are going to be a big thing that people look over and it's going to affect where he goes in the draft and just for the average fan in case they didn't put it together when eric said jjb i'll decode yeah, it for you it's javante john, john baptiste. baptiste that's yeah, okay that's all right 95 percent of the people knew but just yeah. for the five percent let me just throw that out there so your final definitive answer is um i'm gonna go with blake fisher okay. i'm gonna be safe i'm gonna be safe you know, I, I think hmm. J.D. Bertrand will surprise people, but I don't think he's going to be better than he was at Notre Dame. He's not going to lead his team in tackles for three years in a row. He showed out at the Senior Bowl. He sure did. He's going to surprise people. He's just, I don't think we're going to see him lead his team in tackles for three years in a row. I'd say, you know, if he had a career arc that was similar to Drew Tranquil, he should be very happy. I was actually thinking of Tranquil that how I pictured Drew going to the next level is how I picture Bertrand, but Tranquil has exceeded that. Yeah. I mean, his ability 
to play close to the line of scrimmage at his size and using his speed. Again, in the AFC Championship game with a key guy out, he stepped in as the spy on Lamar Jackson, one of the quickest players in the NFL, and helped shut him down again, was great in the Super Bowl. Right. So I would never bet against Drew Tranquil. He's one of the guys I loved early in his career, and I was wrong about for a while until Brian Van Gorder got out of the way, and then we both <laughs> looked like geniuses. There's a long line, Eric. <laughs> There's a very, very long line. Eric Hansen, publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. Darren Pritchett with you. We will step aside and take a timeout. I do want to mention that the NFL draft is coming up April 25th through the 27th, so we have about... Two months of draft prep to go through until we get to finally the NFL draft this year, April 25th through the 27th, and the combine down in Indy begins in 12 days. Twitter X question of the day on the way, 551 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. at Sports Radio 960 WSPT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Sitting across from me, Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. And we have reached the portion of the program where we pass along the results of yesterday's SportsBeat, InsideIndieSports.com, Twitter X question of the day, which you can find each weekday at 960 Sports Beat. Yesterday, we asked you this. FanDuel has installed Texas A&M as a one-and-a-half point favorite against Notre Dame for their season-opening matchup deep in the heart of Texas on August the 31st. So if I just handed you $100 and said, make a play on this game right now on February 14th for a game that's months away... Probably not your best move, but who knows? Maybe it is a good move. Which would you choose? Notre Dame plus one and a half or Texas A&M minus one and a half? So, Eric, here's your $100. How are you placing that bet? Even with Notre Dame's road woes last year, I'd take Notre Dame in the points. Are you shocked, even at this date, that the Irish are the underdog against an A&M team that was just hammered by the transfer portal. I am shocked, and they weren't a great yeah. home team or a great team anywhere. I mean, they ate millions and millions of dollars because their coach couldn't coach them to any better than what they were. Which, doesn't that make that more bizarre that the AD that gave Jimbo Fisher that contract was hired by Ohio State? Uh... Did, did he give him that contract? I thought it was Bjork, okay. wasn't it? Yeah, okay. Oh, let me double-check that. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Okay. I thought I was correct on that, but by the look on your face, I could be wrong. I think he might have inherited it, did but he if inherit he gave it, it, okay. gave it to him, then shame on him. I might be wrong then. I'll double-check that. I'll call Carter Carls. <laughs> we'll see how the wedding plans are going, and we'll, we'll check on that particular fact. He was... <laughs> oh, no. We'll we'll skip. He was the last time I was on the phone with him. There were there were dogs chasing him. 
Carter used to be at the <laughs> at, South Bend Tribune. At midnight. And now, at midnight on a walk. I can only imagine. Okay. Wasps, well. snakes, and now dogs. I don't know what it is. I dogs mean, like me, I think, because they think I am one, but they were annoyed with Carter. Carter Carl's things find him. I mean, he walked into a restaurant in Baton Rouge days after Brian Kelly gets named head coach at LSU and walks into the restaurant where BK's having breakfast. The guy has a knack. At, at, <laughs> at, a, at a table over from them. <laughs> All right, here are the results. 92.7%. Wow. All right, 92.7 went with the Irish plus one and a half. I'd like to know what the 7.3% are looking at Texas A&M at minus one and a half as a good play. This is going to flip drastically in a different direction in a couple of months, in my opinion. I would agree. We thank you for voting. Now we move to today's question. We just talked about eight Notre Dame players going to the NFL Combine. From these four players, because you can only list four on Twitter, that were invited to the Combine, who could benefit the most? Cornerback Cam Hart, linebacker J.D. Bertrand, defensive end Javante Jean-Baptiste, or quarterback Sam Hartman. Did you show your hand in the last segment? Not really, because you phrase this even a little bit differently. Okay. I think... JJB is a late-round draft pick who could test well and move up earlier in the late rounds. I think Kim Hart, with really with medicals that don't scare the doctors okay. and with great testing, people could say, you know what, his best football is ahead of him. Six foot three, we're going to take a chance on this guy, and he could be. I think he could work his way into late second day pick if everything rolled for him tough question mm -hmm. there is height difference so this could matter even though you could argue one was better than the other in college and both were great who will go first in the respective drafts Hart or Morrison I think Morrison will because he will have more proven film and he'll okay. be the healthier player and he can play either cornerback although in the NFL it's less because the hash marks are closer. It's less of a difference field and boundary. Okay, very good. Vote right now on Twitter X at 960SportsPeep. Eric, what is coming up when folks go to your website, InsideIndieSports.com? You cover Notre Dame Athletics as part of the Rivals Network. We've been rolling through February with, I've never done this before, with the weekly chats, and we've been getting great questions, so I'm just going to keep it going until people are tired. Nobody asked me Valentine's Day advice, which was a win-win for both sides. Um, we also have a feature on R.J. Oban, the Duke transfer that's not playing quarterback. He is playing defensive end. We have the little article on the Shamrock Series and the Army game. We have a um, a story on Deuce Knight and where he stands with Notre Dame, the 2025 Ooh. quarterback who continues who continues to get recruited by the Mississippi schools and some others. They're still uh, fighting for him and, of course, much, much more. Eric, good to be with you. We will talk again tomorrow. Sounds great. He's Eric Hansen. I'm Darren Pritchett. We'll preview Notre Dame-Georgia Tech coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 